Welcome back to the Takeover Episode Seven. We're excited. We got a lot of stuff to talk to you guys about. I'm Sam Ringold. Ryan Flattery. And Rowan Kent here on Sprang Break. Let's go. It's been a long time coming. So let's uh let's dive right into it. We got uh, NFL free agency coming up. We got some a lot of quarterbacks in free agency this year. Rowan. A lot more than I think we've had in past years. Some of the bigger names that have actually moved are ones like Kirk Cousins, which the fact that he is a big name that moved <laughs> says enough. And there are guys... Money. Big money, yeah. He, he got big money, but talent-wise, what would you say at best? He's the eighth best quarterback oh, when he's at his weird. peak? I'd say that at his peak. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, at his at peak. At his peak, yeah, but like in aver- on average, he's probably, I don't know, 12. He's top 15, but like definitely yeah. not worth that much money. This year, there are a lot of guys who can move. Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill, Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston... Dak Prescott. There are a lot of guys that are either free agents or could be traded. So I think this is a domino, given he's the GOAT, that will have to fall pretty early for other teams to then go to their plan B, especially teams like the Raiders, teams like the Chargers that have been mentioned by NFL experts like Adam Schefter as being really in on Tom Brady. Where do you guys think he goes? I think he stays... It's it's interesting to think about because if you think about other great quarterbacks like Joe Montana, he had a you know he had a second stint somewhere else. Um, Brett Favre played that year in Minnesota, so there's a lot of quarterbacks. Even guys like Drew Brees, he played on two teams. So I feel like it's generally pretty unusual for a quarterback to play his entire career with one team, especially for 20 years. But I still think Brady. Something about it just makes me think that he's going to stay in New England. He had the mysterious social media post that apparently was related to that Hulu ad that he was doing that yeah, people were speculating wrong. about. There's a lot of speculation. I think he kind of likes that. People speculating about where he's going to go, but I honestly think he stays in New England. But I do think I do see them drafting another quarterback because, you know, he is going to leave soon, I guess. Although we've been saying that for, it seems like, 10 years and he hasn't retired. But <laughs> I, I think he stays in New England. I mean, they still were 12-4 and four last year. I get that he wasn't great, and his numbers, I mean, they were not as good as they usually are, and his defense was probably the reason that they were good. But I think he stays. Yeah, I think he leaves, honestly. Um, uh, from reports from what I've heard in New England, like he still has to talk to Robert Kraft, but there's a lot of people that think that he's not going to stay next year. So... The team that I could see him going to is the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay. Grew up in Cali, uh, L.A. vibe maybe for the end of his career. I don't know. They have good receivers in Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry that maybe he can prove he can still do it if he has competent receivers around him like he really didn't have last year except for Edelman. And uh, Chargers get a QB with lots of playoff experience. And so... And he's beaten Mahomes to the playoffs, and he'll have to play him twice a year. So I think it's a good fit, both sides. I think the only reason Brady would leave is if he wants to prove he can win without Belichick, win without Kraft, win without the Patriot way. And of the teams mentioned, I don't think the Chargers are contenders next year. The injury bug bites the Chargers year in, year out. Like, you can count on it, even though injuries are one of the more random things. Yeah. I think the Chargers could be there. The Colts, I just can't see it happening, given how often the Patriots played the Colts back in the Manning-Brady years. It's too Mm -hmm. weird for my brain to get wrapped around. The Raiders, I think that's a nice pipe dream for Gruden (laughs) to get the guy who 
have the tuck rule. I'm pretty sure against Swamp Gruden's teams back in the day. Yeah, yeah. 2001. Mine's a little out of left field in that saying if Brady wants to go somewhere, he can actually win a Super Bowl. He's going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And here's what? why. That's so hot. Here's why. That offense compared to the Patriots offense Instead of having Julian Edelman, you have Mike Evans. Instead of having Mohamed Sanu or Josh Gordon together in a full season, you have Chris Godwin. Instead of having Nikhil Harry, you have Rashad Perriman, who on 36 catches had about 650 yards and six touchdowns, fifth in the league for yards per reception at about 18. Those are legit guys that Brady, even without having the same sort of arm strength as he used to have, can go to. Todd Bowles' defense last year took a, about 30th-ranked defense and brought it up towards the top of the league in his first year. Arians is a guy who's known to get mileage out of dudes like Carson Palmer, who had a borderline MVP season when he was more washed than laundry loads that you've left in all week. He's someone who knows how to get talent. And Brady is someone... There would be an indisputable case, I'd say, even more than a guy like Jerry Rice if Brady were to just up and leave the team that he's won, what is it, six? Six. Six Super Bowls with and win a seventh with an admittedly kind of sorry franchise like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, no way. I don't see it happening. I'm, here's where I'm at with this. I don't think New England is going to let him leave. He, they don't have a choice. I understand. I understand that, but I think that they're going to be able to give him enough money to keep him there. Because what what is New England going to do if they don't have Tom Brady? Who's their quarterback going to be? Are they Are you telling me that they're going to either trade up to the top of the first round to draft a guy, or are they going to try to draft someone, take a shot at someone at the end of the first round? They have like the twenty fourth pick and do that. They have a. A, an insane defense right now that I think they'd be foolish to let go to waste. These defenses, like like New England has, don't come around very often and don't last very often. And as you saw last year, for the first like you know nine weeks of the season, I mean they were just shutting everyone down, getting turnovers, scoring touchdowns. I just don't think that they can afford to let him leave, and I think that they're going to try to do everything in their power to keep Brady there because it's not like they have, I mean, to my knowledge, a quarterback who'd be ready to step in. I think they still have a window right now. Granted, they've had a window for a long time, but letting Brady leave closes that window on a defense that's really, really good right now. What if they were to bring in a 27-year-old quarterback who was 5-0 and in starts last year, who is a proven winner, who was going to be the franchise quarterback in Minnesota before a knee injury. I knew you were going to say And who's legitimately this. someone who really doesn't have a lot of off-field problems, would never get in trouble in terms of the Patriot way. I have Teddy Bridgewater filling the gap that Brady leaves because he can hit a lot of the same routes. In, in a similar way to Brady, neither guy throws over a mountain, but they can throw it through a needle in a haystack. They can really hit a lot of the tight angles, spread the ball around. That's what I would see them doing. They're, I don't think they'll trade up. There were rumors in Mayfield's year that they were thinking of trading up for him. Those were absurd. I think they don't have the capital, and they're not going to sacrifice the capital that they would take to go and get Burrow or Tua or Herbert. But Bridgewater's looking to be a starter, and continuing the mantle left by Brady would be a great place for him. It would be a good fit, I think. I agree with you there. And I think Bridgewater is a... a a, certainly a starting caliber quarterback, as you saw in New Orleans last year. I just, like, I, I'm convinced that anyone 
Oh, like pretty much anyone could succeed in that system. I mean, you remember a couple years ago, uh, more than a couple years ago, maybe 10 years ago, Matt Castle was 11 and 5 under Bill Belichick the year after, or the year that Brady tore his Achilles or whatever it was. You saw Jacoby Brissett go 3 and 1 his like second year in the league, uh, the year that Brady was suspended. You saw, I mean, you've seen guys come in and do well in the system. So I think. Honestly, anyone who is fortunate enough to go to that, to go work with Bill Belichick with that defense could have success. Yeah, especially with what Brady did last year. There are a lot of quarterbacks that could do that or better. Yeah. yeah. So where do you guys see Teddy going then? I have him going to the Chargers. Okay. I said that he was going to go to the Chargers. I think that's a nice, I mean, it's a decent starting job. They have, keep in mind, the Chargers two years ago were a 12-win football team when Rivers was playing well. They, when Keenan Allen was at full strength, Melvin Gordon wasn't holding out. Hunter Henry wasn't injured. That offense is pretty legit. And like you were saying earlier, he, Teddy Bridgewater is a solid quarterback, and I think he adds another dimension with his mobility and speed to that game. And I think he could fit decently well in, in the Chargers system. The Chargers' defense also isn't all that bad. You have Casey Hayward. Um, uh, what's that linebacker's name? Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram. Yeah, Melvin Ingram, and they have Bosa. Yeah, thank you. So Derwin I, James. Derwin James. So I think that the Chargers, like you mentioned that you don't think that they're that good, but I think that they have a lot of pieces in line. I think that what was holding him back this year was the terrible play of Phillip Rivers. He threw like 13 or 14 picks in three games at one point this year. So I think that if they get a serviceable, even a serviceable above average quarterback, like someone like Teddy Bridgewater, that could be an attractive, you know, target for the Chargers to go after to, you know, get them back in the playoffs. Yeah, they won like 12 games or something yeah. two years ago. They were 12 yeah. games and they were the wild card. They won, they beat Lamar Jackson in Baltimore that year. Uh, because and the Chiefs had won the division, I think it, they and were. And they got blown out. And then they got blown out by the. Patriots. I mean, yeah, but Philip Rivers can never ever really beat Tom Brady. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I had Teddy going to Miami. Interesting. Right. It kind of all depends on the draft too. If they trade up for Tua, um, even if they do draft Tua, maybe they'll still want a veteran guy because of Tua's injury history that mm-hmm. can maybe start the season. But I, I think I could see he could take over. They have some talent on that roster. A little bit, not. That much. You're talking about Miami? Miami, yeah. Uh, Devontae Parker. Parker right? like in terms of the offense. <laughs> yeah. Preston Williams, Mike Gusecki alongside Parker. Oh, Gusecki's pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have, they have well, some weapons. Yeah, young guys. Their there. defense is just awful, maybe. though. Their whole team is awful by design because they wanted. Yeah, they traded Minka. They wanted yeah. Herbert. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think Philip Rivers does this offseason? I, I have him hanging it up. I mean, either that, I, I think he should hang it up. Hmm. I could see him doing that, um, playing his whole career in San Diego, but keep in mind, Philip Rivers is a family guy. He has an entire family out in... Big family. He's a huge family. <laughs> he has an entire family out in SoCal. Yeah. So, like, is it really... Like, from a personal level, you're, what, like, 39 years old. You've had a pretty re- pretty good NFL career. Do you really want to pick up your family and move them to somewhere else? Like, I don't know. I just have him... I just feel like he's he seems like a family man to me. He commuted from San Diego to L.A. when the Chargers moved every day. So, I, I just... I don't know. I see him just you know, going off into the sunset like Jared Allen on that horse a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, well, I think I think that's definitely a possibility that hangs it up, but if he were to be on another team, I think a decent fit would be the Panthers. Mm. Uh, I think I think he'd be an upgrade over Kyle Allen just based on experience. Yes. I mean, Kyle <laughs> Allen was like I mean, serviceable yeah. last year, but I mean, and Philip Rivers didn't have a great year, but it's definitely still an upgrade and it'd make them more competitive in the NFC South. Uh, unless 
Tom Brady goes there. Of course. <laughs> Brady of course. is that X factor. I think a place that Rivers could fit. Indianapolis Colts. They have a defense to buoy him in the same way the Chargers do. I mean, they have Darius Leonard. Oh, so they good. have Malik Cooker. They have a rangy defense. T.Y. Hilton remains an unsung kind of receiver, someone you usually forget about when thinking about guys who probably get 70 catches a year, 1,000 yards, 7 touchdowns. Eric Ebron. Sucks. Dude, he had a good year. <laughs> Last year, I think he had a down year due to quarterback play. Brissett wasn't good enough in that system. I think if Rivers is looking for, you know, the elusive, what is it, like winning a playoff game, appearing in a Super Bowl, I think it's appearing in the Super Bowl. The Colts aren't going to offer it, but if he wants to if he wants to do something that maybe is different, maybe is a unique chance, I think he'd go the Colts. The reason I wouldn't have him somewhere with the Panthers, I have like three guys that are staying with their own teams. I have Cam Newton, Dak Prescott, and then I have Ryan Tannehill. Those yeah. guys are playing. Do, do either do any of you have? I have Cam anything? leaving. Interesting. Yeah, I think that relationship's kind of done. There's a new coach. I think he wants a new quarterback, which maybe Philip Rivers for a year, and then if they suck, then draft a guy. But mm-hmm. uh, I have Cam going to the Chicago Bears. Ooh, wow. Year four for Trubisky. I think they need to put some pressure on him to perform and they're a kind of, they're a good quarterback away from being Super Bowl contenders. Like that offense was uh, they're putting up numbers with an awful quarterback. Uh-huh. And if they and Cannon's shown that he I mean it was like four years ago, but he had MVP he won an MVP. He was a top five quarterback in the game just a few years ago and injuries have hindered him, but I think he's looking to prove that he can still be that guy. And if he is, then oh. the Bears can compete. I don't know if he's the best fit in Chicago. Like, I feel like Chicago could benefit from a game-managing type quarterback who's not making big plays down the field so that they rely on that defense to, you know, do really well for them and, you know, keep offenses stifled. And I don't know if a big-play quarterback like Cam, who's consistently, you know, his MVP year was amazing, making those big plays. I don't know if that's good. Like, I feel like the Bears could benefit from a guy like Dak Prescott who – does time of like, dominates time of possession, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But is Prescott getting out of Dallas? Yeah, I don't think, think, I mean, think he stays in Dallas. I also think he stays in Dallas. I think the Cowboys would just be incredibly stupid to not resign him. And that's, a, I mean, the Cowboys are not a good organization recently. I'm not even biased saying that, that's just true. But uh, I think they have to keep him. I mean, Dak Prescott, even I can acknowledge that he's a good quarterback. He's had, I mean, he's won two division titles with them. Um, I just, I just think that. I don't know what I don't know what the Cowboys value. Like they clear they signed Zeke and now they have to deal with Amari and Dak. And I feel like if I'm Dak right now, I'm feeling somewhat disrespected. Like there's talks about him getting franchise tagged and whatnot. If I'm Dak, I want my deal right now, you know. I want my, my four or five year extension right now. Arguably you can make the case that he should get more money than Wentz if you're Dak Prescott, and I feel disrespected if I'm Dak. So I can see those tensions getting a little bit weird, but I still think Dallas ends up caving and signing him. Mm-hmm. Dak's contract negotiator, whoever his agent is, is acting like Dak is Russell Wilson in his first negotiations. Forty million. Forty million a year. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Which, you know, that's great negotiating. It's putting the Cowboys in an absolute vice. Good. I think going back to the Bears, this might be a sick, twisted fantasy that I have just because I would love to see it happen. What? But having Jameis Winston 
<laughs> on that Bears team. No, that's no. Exactly. That's what they don't need. Nagy put might want someone who can actually throw to the left side of the field and push the ball down there. Winston has arm strength, but just watching the same interceptions happen but with greater variance would be one of the more hey, just beautiful disasters. I hope I hope you think that that's just a like a fantasy of yours and you it don't is. actually think that the Bears would benefit from doing something like that. I think if they are the last team sort of in the market, they're left with Winston or a guy that I think might be a surprise but could be moved. Gardner Minshew, I think, could be moved. You're not really? moving Foles as contract. If you have to mm. choose between two of those, no other team is going to say, oh, yes, I would love to take on Nick Foles. $60 million. Left. It's more than that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yes, left, yes. Yeah. It's like $60 million left. Yeah. Gosh, Nick Foles, we don't talk about that guy enough anymore. <laughs> it's crazy. He has one good year, one good postseason, and no. returns to be the quarterback. He's had two he good was. years. Yeah, he did that 27 two to seasons. two, made the Pro Bowl in like 2013. And then he went on a postseason run two years ago and last or, and last year. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird how that whole thing went down. I think Tannehill would be such a good fit in Chicago. He's I, th- I think he'd be such a great fit, but I think that he stays in Tennessee, Tennessee as well. Can't let him go. They yeah, can't let him go. That. I mean, that was an insane run. And keep in mind, they were seven and three. I think after he took over, because they were two two and four with Mariota, and then seven and three with Tannehill, and then obviously they went on that nice little run in the postseason. Right. So I think that. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys think that Tennessee? Can like repeat and like go on another run, or is this was like a one-time thing? It all comes down to Henry. I think you can have someone worse than Tannehill back there and get potentially similar success if you continue to have a matchup nightmare like Derrick Henry. Henry's going to ask for a lot of money, and that's where you have to decide: Do I think he'll hold up into year three, into year four, right. kind of deal? Especially that's, the way he runs. Yeah, he runs so hard and through contact. Their defense has been underrated, I'd say, the past three years. Agreed. It is a good defense. Yeah. It isn't one of the greats. It isn't going to be considered when you look back at like the end of the decade, like good teams. But it has really good players. Bayard, you have Gerald Casey, you have, I want to say, Arakbo might have played there. You have like good, rangy linebackers. It has talent. But I think it all comes down to Henry if they're ever going to have that kind of run again. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, what do you guys think Marcus Mariota does? I don't think it matters. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even put him down. He's so irrelevant. <laughs> you think he'll? Where do you have him? I don't. I said idea. I said he goes to the Panthers, but more just for like the meme of it. Like I don't really have. I don't know. I just I don't I don't know. I feel like I agree with Flat that Cam Newton and, and Panthers are just kind of. You know, moving on, and I think that they're going to try to look for a new franchise quarterback. And instead of signing a guy like Bridgewater, I think they go for like the Mariota outlook. Also, I don't think like I think Bridgewater wants to be a permanent starter, and I feel like if he took the Panthers' job, based on what like Fly and I were saying, and like they're trying to draft someone in the next few years, I don't think that's a des- as desirable of a job. Whereas Mariota could be like, listen, maybe I sign like a two-year deal with a team like the Panthers while they're in a rebuild and try to you know try to go prove something. Yeah, and then maybe try to like get a back end like when you when he turns 29, 30, get like another contract with the team as a starter. Yeah, I did have Jameis to the Jaguars. Oh my God! I was I was like, I don't know where this dude fits because like he threw thirty touchdowns, he led the league in yards and interceptions. And interceptions. Thirty important, for thirty. Important baby. to acknowledge that. Thirty and, for thirty. And I don't think the Bucks keep him. And I was like, where does he go? And I was like, you know, Jacksonville needs some chaos in their life. 
And so what? And we're gonna sign that. Foles and Winston Down and Winston. put Minshew the third on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> just like create a huge quarterback tr- controversy, and then none of it, none of them are any good. The Tennessee situation precariously reminds me of the Blake Bortles situation of about two years ago. I know it's a little bit different, but they gave Bortles a three-year contract for a good amount of money after he led the team to the AFC Championship, and obviously he did nothing afterwards. Like Brock Osweiler. Right, and uh, yeah, so he did, and, and uh, Bortles did nothing afterwards. I just fear that a similar thing could happen where the team just happened to be having a good year, you know, solid defense, good running game, and then they just end up sucking next year. But I don't know. I think Vrabel's a better coach than Doug Marone is, so like maybe it's different. But that that would be my fear, especially with signing a guy like that who Tannehill. I mean, let's be honest. He had he made the playoffs once with Miami, but other than that, hadn't really done much in his career before this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, can we touch on uh, Hall of Famer Drew Brees? He stays. He stays. He, he stays. Signed a, he said he was staying. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. What? Like? Like? Did he actually sign? I don't think he's going to be anywhere else. He did announce that he's Do you think he'd stay. leave? No. Yeah. Oh. I, he said he's staying in the NFL. I can't see any team giving him an offer to taint his legacy as, like, the greatest thing of all time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. I guess I must have missed that. No, you're good. Yeah. yeah. A lot of this just depends on if, like, with Chargers, Panthers, Dolphins, Bucks, Colts, all these teams, like, trade up for Tua or Herbert. Yeah. That affects the Lions, because you guys are in that pick. I swear, I, that's uh, what I have to say about my Lions draft needs. Exactly, if you yeah. That. Shall we dive into it? Yeah. What that, do you have as some positions that the Lions need? Well, the way I see it, Everything. it's simple. There's three <laughs> game changers in this draft, in Burrow, Young, and Tua. Okay. The Lions have the third pick. So either Redskins have been talking about drafting a quarterback, or teams have been having trade talks with the Redskins, that means Chase Young falls to the Lions, we draft him. Mm-hmm. If uh, if not, if it goes Burrow, Young, we trade that pick with Dolphins or whoever and get a hole. Mm-hmm. And because we have so many holes in our roster and a lot of people want us to draft Tua, and I'm just not one of those people because quarterback just hasn't been a hole for us. Like that's, We've had solid quarterback play, but we have so many other spots that need it. And if we get a haul, get a bunch of picks, I don't trust Bob Quinn to capitalize on those picks, but it's still a lottery ticket to get some guys and maybe fill these holes and maybe compete for a playoff spot next mm. year. Because uh, Martha Ford did say it's win now for the Lions. And <laughs> what do you what do you like, get or, for that pick? Do you think like, a, like they, two first rounders and a third rounder, or something like that? Yeah, like it depends on which team trades with us. Like, like if you it's, keep a mid round like, and a late round first pick or something. Yeah, first round pick. Yeah, future first. Yeah, it's also tough. I don't know if they'll if Quinn and Patricia will do that because they know Martha Ford said they have to make the playoffs next year or they're both fired. Really? So, or that's that's wow. what she said. I don't know if it's actually gonna be true. But it's just a tough, 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 such a tough spot to be in because like we need to like think about our future and we need a lot more draft capital to be good in the future. But they want to win now, so we might draft a guy like Okuda because corner is a need. But yeah. do we? I think it's a good pick. As I don't know, number three, not at three. Corner, I think not at three though. Positional value is just not good. Yeah. But yeah, I think we are in the driver's seat because there's three like generational talents in this draft, and we have the third pick. If and the Redskins draft a quarterback, obviously Cincinnati's gonna take Burrow. Let's say the Redskins really mess this up and take a quarter like take a quarterback like like two at two 
and Chase Young is just sitting on the board at three, you're not going to trade that pick away, are you? No. You take, no, you you take Chase, Chase Young, Chase right? You can't trade that pick away. And people are saying he's the best pass rusher since, like, Vaughn Miller. Yeah, that'd yeah. be insane. Pass rushers and quarterbacks are kind of what runs the league at this mm-hmm. point. Quarterbacks can be the linchpin of your offense. A pass rusher who gets you 15 sacks a year, year in, year out, is a guy you build your defense around. Mm-hmm. There's, like, two of those guys in the league, though, like, consistently doing it. It's, like... Over the past ten years, it's like JJ Watt and like Aaron, and Aaron Donald and Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones has had a lot of sacks. Yeah, but he's not like he's only made the All Pro like three times. Granted, I mean I say that only, but like he's not averaging double digit sacks a year. Like Ooh, he's had, he had a down year last year. I he did not. I will no find. like like I mean twenty nineteen he was good, but the year before he had I, I think like seven or eight sacks. Like he wasn't a Pro Bowl or an All Pro. So he's not he's not doing it like Von Miller, or like Aaron Donald, or JJ Watt, like nearly. There's only three of those, like two or three of those guys that can do that right now. Oh, Khalil Mack, yeah, I mean he's yeah Khalil Mack's there too. Maybe one of the Bosa brothers, but mm-hmm. what do you have for the Eagles draft needs ring? Um, so this team has heavily invested in offense the last few years. We drafted Andre Dillard last year to replace Jason Peters in the first round. We drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in the second round along with Miles Sanders and drafted Dallas Goddard in the second round two years ago. We also gave Wentz a massive contract extension. We traded for Deshaun Jackson. My point is they've traded, they've invested a lot of assets into the offense, but it's still mediocre. And I'm I'm willing to invest in another pick for um, for the offense, and I want to draft a wide receiver. And it's no surprise that we've struggled with wide receivers recently. Alshon Jeffrey, you know, he seems to have severely deteriorated, and he's causing locker room problems. Deshaun Jackson's been injured. Nelson Aguilar can't catch a pass. He's a free agent. He's not coming back. He was a first round pick five years ago. This team needs a young wide receiver for Wentz to grow with. That's an impo- that's an imperative need for this team. He led a group of wide receiver scrubs to the playoffs last year. I mean, let's be honest. You saw it. So I think if you couple Wentz and Miles Sanders with a, a really good wide receiver, this offense could be really good. And, I mean, some names that come to mind. Henry Ruggs obviously is atop everyone's names right now with the you know speed that he has and that he just demonstrated in the combine. He's got great speed, great hands, great ball skills, and I think he could be available at the 21st pick. Uh, C.D. Lamb is a guy we'd probably have to trade up for. Probably, if it, even if he falls out of the top ten, we'd probably have to trade up to like twelve or eleven to draft him. He's probably the best receiver on the board. He had that insane catch at the combine, um, and we'd have to trade up to get him. The other positions that I have for the Eagles, I have cornerback. Our our con- our secondary has consistently been one of the worst the last few years. The strength of our defense has been the defensive line, like Rowan was mentioning, mentioning earlier with pass rushers and a shutdown corner like like C.J. Henderson would greatly help our, our defensive line get more pressure. James Schwartz would love it. C.J. Henderson's a guy who I think could be available in the mid-20s. I think it's a nice value pick. With Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills both being free agents, I think they could benefit from a pro-ready corner like C.J. Henderson. He doesn't collect a lot of interceptions, but he's certainly locked down. And the final position that always seems to be of need, like Rowan mentioned earlier, it's the the defensive line. (laughs) The defensive end position for the Eagles and just defensive linemen in general. That's how, when we were good, when we were dominating teams in 2017, that's how we did it. We had a stout run defense and we were getting pressure on the quarterback. And it's important to keep the defensive line young. We invested a pick in the offensive line last year to replace Jason Peters with Andre Dillard. And I think dominating the lines is very, very important in this in this day and age. Brandon Graham is over 30. Fletcher, Clo- Fletcher Cox is getting up there. Derek Burnett's not as good as what everyone thought he'd be. He's just been average. So I think the Eagles, in one form or another, should either invest a high draft pick in a defensive lineman 
or sign someone like Yannick and Gakoe to a three, four year deal for a bunch of money because we have 40 million in the cap to address the defensive end position. Yeah. So. On the Chandler Jones point, Chandler Jones in his last season with New England, 12 and a half sacks. He's been in Arizona for four years. He's at 11, 17, 13, and 19 sacks. Yeah, but he's, only been, but he's only been a pro bowler twice and an all-pro twice. Sure, I, I'm just before. saying. He's he not contributes sacks. Oh, yeah, he, he contributes sacks. He's a sack artist. But, I mean, I don't think Chandler Jones is, like, a positional defensive piece that you're building your team around, like an Aaron Donald or Von Miller. He's not, like, a pro bowler all-pro every year. He's certainly a sack machine, but I think there are other guys. Like, I think there are, like, two, three guys at the top of the league who, like, really you build your defense around. I don't see Chandler Jones being like that, that good, but mm-hmm. he's definitely a very solid player. Yeah. On, on Seahawks draft needs, it has to be said at the beginning, no matter what anyone ever sees on a mock draft or what quote-unquote conventional wisdom says, the Seahawks will do whatever they want. <laughs> it works out sometimes. It really doesn't other times. So any names that I'm going to mention for the positions are ones you guys may have heard of or will just say who is that guy and that's just because I'm, I'm trying to draft the Seahawks would and look for what they do. Of course. Edge rusher they really like athletic guys it doesn't matter how little or how much they perform. So there are guys Julian Okwara and Josh Uchi out of Michigan are two guys that are really athletic never had huge numbers but could be guys that Pete Carroll and John Schneider look at as someone who could really pop off if they're not you know, the main guy on their team, or if they're not the center of attention. Running back is a sneaky position of need. Carson and Penny are one and two, will be coming off of season-ending injuries. And, I mean, we've been searching somewhat for a reliable cowbell since Lynch. Carson looks as likely as it can be, but you can never be sure. Penny was a first-round pick, correct? Yeah, and he only played well in about five or so games before he got hurt. He was coming on, but... He has a partially torn ACL, so you can't bank on it. There are guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who played really well for LSU. I think he probably benefited from having the best statistical quarterback in college football ever next to him, which helped him get 16 touchdowns. But he he runs headfirst, and he's fast. A.J. Dillon, Boston College, was a guy that actually got some Fournette comparisons about a year ago. And he decommitted from Michigan. Really interesting. (laughs) Dillon's an athletic freak. He's like six foot, like over 200 pounds, just absolute unit of a man who could run a 4-5, who will bully you over and has some receiving out of the backfield. When it comes to cornerbacks, like, I'm not even going to say the names I found because they're just so... The Seahawks haven't drafted a quarterback, or a corner, excuse me, um, above the third round in the Pete Carroll-John Schneider era. They simply don't take guys who you might be like, oh, Kevin King, oh, Jair Alexander. They let them just go by. Just and then decide. The Packers, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then they go and choose the lankiest, rangiest guys. So when I was looking for, I looked for like fifth round guys who are lanky and rangy that Pete Carroll will think is a star. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, Michael Ojemudia out of Iowa. Did not know him before looking it up, but he really fits that statistical profile. Of some ball skills, really athletic, but wasn't good. But the, the Seahawks will think they can make him good. If Jonathan Taylor, like, would you 
Like, how would you feel about the Seahawks drafting Taylor or like DeAndre Swift? They wouldn't, even if they were there. Really? Why not? I because mean, they took a first round running back two right. years ago. And Penny was projected to be like a fourth to sixth rounder. They simply have their own metrics of who they think is good. Occasionally, like, I, I don't think they'd ever pass up on Chase Young if he miraculously fell to a mid-20 pick. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There's certain guys that like are so good on their draft board that you can't do that. But the Seahawks just they have Chase so Young many weird I know that that's the thing. There's so many weird metrics that when it comes to conventional draft wisdom, it's more likely that even if Swift or Taylor are there, it will support them saying, Oh, of course, yeah, we weren't ever gonna take them in that spot. There's another guy who we think is actually worth that that they would take. Yeah. I, I think they could fall there, but then the Seahawks would just trade down and keep trading down. I don't even think they're going to pick in the first round. They, they rarely do. And even when they do, it's not great. I feel like your defense could use some help, though, especially in the back end. The, uh, um, we had good play from Shaquille Griffin. He was a Pro Bowl replacement. McDougal is decent. Quandre Diggs played really well if they resigned that was a good. Diggs. That was a good trade. Um, not for us. Not for yeah, the Lions. Not for the Lions. <laughs> Marquise Blair had some pop. We would need another corner, and so that's why I, like, Thought that we'd address it. The defensive line needs to be remade, but I just I don't think they can do it in the draft. What about Clowney? You guys, you trying to keep him or what? I would love to. I don't think there's for the whopping like three sacks he had for you guys. I mean, if we get other guys on the D line that get sacks, then Clowney's benefits sort of it doesn't matter as much. Like the Seahawks haven't really built defenses on dominant sack artists. They have the tandem of Cliff Averill and. Bennett. I mean, Clowney had two pick sixes. He had forced fumbles. He stuffed runs. Oh, he's he does, very athletic. Yeah, guy. he does other things other than sacks, and so we just need guys who get sacks. I don't think Ngakwe is going to get out of Jacksonville. It would be really foolish of them not to at least franchise tag him. He's 24 years old. That'll make him upset, though. Sure, it'll make him upset, but it keeps him under control of the team. I, I just... Chris Jones is getting tagged. I don't think there's any other star that you could give up, but it's up to Clowney. If Clowney wants to chase the bag somewhere else, he can. If Clowney wants to go on a team he thinks can win, he can. Then would you feel badly about giving up? I mean, I know you give up that many not. assets, but like, are you, dude? We gave up a third round pick, which we'd get back in a comp pick for Clowney, so right. that's a split. We gave up Jacob Martin, who is a situational pass rusher. He got like three or so sacks for the Texans. We gave up Barcavius Mingo, who is yeah. a special teams player. That is such a pilfer of a trade for a guy as good as Clowney is. It just, it makes me feel really bad for Deshaun Watson, given Bill uh, Bill O'Brien is now the coach, GM, well, and president no, of football he, operations. He has been promoted it's so dumb. all three positions. It's it's like the Texans are so mis- mismanaged. I don't know why you can't you can't have a coach who's a GM and a president of operations. Like the Eagles tried that with Chip Kelly, and you see how that turned out. That like, was you, great. You can't do that. It's just so stupid. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. That was a probably a good trade for you. But I don't know, man. Yannick Ngakwe is like. A guy who's kind of flown under the radar, I feel like. Like, he's been very, very good the past mm-hmm. few years. Mm-hmm. And he's young, too. Like, he's going to be a free agent at the right time. If he even makes it. If there, he even makes thing. it there. If he makes it there. I would be shocked if the Jaguars decided we're going to have Marcel Darius on the roster for $20 million, Calais for about 20-some, and we're going to let Ngakwe go of those three. That would be the, the move that cements just the Jaguars' ineptitude at all yeah. fronts. Let's go from maybe ineptitude all the way up to... Aptitude? 
Yeah, all the way up to aptitude. <laughs> and let's go to the NBA. We're getting, now we have, I want to say, 20, less than 30 games left in the season. We're in, we're in a stretch run. It's time to really separate who can win the title and who cannot win the title. I want to start with a really interesting rule. Every now and then you'll see, like, in other sports, like, I think it was, like, certain, it might have been Bill Walsh, what he looks for in a quarterback. You have different, like, unwritten rules that actually kind of pan out. Here's one that's really interesting when it pans out. The 40 before 20 rule. The Phil the, Jackson yeah, rule? Yeah, the Phil Jackson 40 before 20. Oh, my. Phil Jackson said once, quote, sort of that contenders win 40 games before they lose 20 games in the NBA. In the past 42 years, only four teams have not followed this rule and won the title. That doesn't mean every team, obviously, that wins 40 before 20 gets there, but 38 of the 42 teams that have won an NBA title did. The four that didn't were the Warriors. Heat. Oh, which Warriors team? The the 72-win team? Well, no, no, no. It's, it's the other way around. This is teams that... They got 20 losses before their 40 wins, but they still won. Did the Warriors not do that? The Warriors got to 70 whatever. wins before they, 10 losses. Yeah, they did. <laughs> oh, you're saying, oh is, you're saying... Okay. This is saying that it, a team basically needs to hit 40 wins before 20 losses to be a contender. If they don't do it, they just don't have a shot. Oh, okay. So like, for example, the Rockets, for all the hype they've gotten, technically don't fall into this rule. And that's something that we'll come to. But the only four teams were the 06 Heat, where Dwayne Wade went on a really monster run those playoffs and also benefited from bad refereeing in that final series against yeah. the Mavericks. He was taking, I want to say, 15 to 20 free throws a game. Yeah. Ridiculous numbers. The 04 Pistons, yeah, such an outlier team, whenever you think about the history of the NBA, playing the Kobe, Shaq, Lakers, and beating them in five. Yeah, it's, it's such an outlier team. They didn't have a star. I wish I remembered that. The 95 Rockets, they won as the sixth seed for their second, sort of like their two-peat when they swept the Magic. They went through, I want to say, the Suns, the Spurs, and the Nuggets was who they went through. And that's because they had Hakeem and Clyde. Mm-hmm. who they traded for mid-season. And then the 79 Sonics, widely considered one of the <laughs> worst your team. championship teams talent-wise. But that's also when the NBA was in the 70s when everyone was snorting coke and no teams were that good. <laughs> like, it was just, I think, seven different teams won that decade. That never happens in the NBA. Here are teams that are at that 40 before 20. The Milwaukee Bucks, the Toronto Raptors, the Boston Celtics, Los Angeles Lakers... Denver Nuggets and Los Angeles Clippers are the only teams that can remain. And Clippers have to win their next two to be in there. Otherwise, all the other teams are at that 40 above 20. So, who do you guys have as actual contenders to win this title? I've got Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Celtics. I'd say those are the only four that can really win okay. a title this year. Yeah, I said I said Bucks, Celtics, maybe Raptors, and then I said Lakers, Clip, Clippers, and maybe the Nuggets. But I feel like it's pretty. I don't see how the Bucks don't make the finals. Like I just don't. Like that they can play on the road, they can play at home. I, I just don't see how they lose. Yeah, they they've set themselves up to be the third team to win seventy games. Yeah, at the pace they're on. If you win seventy games, you're not not making the finals. Like you would hope not. <laughs> Yeah, I think even if you win 65, 66 games, like you should yeah. still, like you'll make the. You should, I just 
can't see them not making the finals. And then flat, you didn't have the Raptors. Why not? Uh, they're just they need a Kawhi on their team to really be a final star. I think they're probably conference finals contender, but I would put the Celtics and the Bucks above them. Mm-hmm. And like Siakam's been great this year. Van Vliet's been great. Lowry's been good, but they're just missing that superstar. Yeah, I think the Celtics have become super fascinating the past mm-hmm. five weeks. Because since Tatum's been named to the All-Star team, he's been balling. He's decided he's to take that superstar. kind of leap. Dude, he's been balling. Yeah, he, he's become the number one for them. Mm-hmm. A year ago, you didn't know who was going to be Kyrie, Jalen Brown, <laughs> Marcus Morris. Like, there were guys <laughs> oh that thought gosh. they were that number one guy. Tatum has simply decided to play so well that it isn't a question anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's 21. Yeah. He has 10 30-point games in his 21 season. He's one off of, I want to say, Antoine Walker for the most, like, I think in Celtic history. He's played so well that it actually gives the Celtics a better chance than they had coming in this season. It, oh, yeah. It gives them hope in the playoffs to be a contender now. <sighs> this conversation makes me so mad, bro. Like, what if we had not drafted Fultz? <laughs> like, every time I hear his name, I'm just like, why? Just but Fultz is doing great in Orlando. He's not, he's not doing great in Orlando. He's barely averaging double-digit points. He's shooting like 20-something percent from three. That's higher than Simmons' is three percent. No, Simmons is like 40-ish. How many he's shots? like two of five or something? Yeah, he's like two of five. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Watch it. The volume, yeah, the volume conversation. Um, <laughs> I guess none of us have the Sixers. Last podcast I went on my little rant about this and, and now it's just like Every time it's just worse and worse news Now it got sad Simmons got injured He's got I mean you know Back injuries are never good And obviously the Sixers Medical team You can't trust them They literally They literally like Diagnosed him with a back injury let, Said that he was day to day Let him play the next game And then he played like five minutes And then he was out I understand that Ben probably wanted to play But there comes a point where the The medicals team just needs to be like You are not playing in this game You are our 21 year old superstar You Like I don't care what the player wants You're the doctor You need to be like Ben, you are, there is no way in hell you're playing this game, and they let him play. And then Joel, of course, got injured shortly yeah. after dropping 49 and looking insane against the Hawks. <laughs> Although he still can't play on the road, so, like, whatever. But <laughs> it's a, it's just unfortunate, man. Like, I've just pretty much, honestly, I've set my, I've reset, like, my expectations on completely. On paper, they're a contender. But, but see, they're not, are. though. I can't believe I was so stupid to think that Al Horford would fit in this team. Like, I didn't expect Al Horford to, like, deteriorate to this level where he's, like, missing open layups. But, like... I just, now that I think about it, I'm like, what was I possibly thinking? Why would I want them to bring in a third person who occupies the same space as Ben and Joel do? Like, how would that be good? I understand, like, the load management thing, but hey, we'd just be in such a better spot if we re-signed J.J. Redick for, like, half the money that we pay Al Horford and had a bunch more cap flexibility. Like, think about that. If we re-signed yeah. J.J. for, like, the $16 million that he wanted and didn't sign Horford, we'd be in such a better spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami Heat. Sorry, that they just oh, no, frustrate me that's so fair. much. Yeah. But no, they're not a contender. They're nothing. Miami Heat. Can no, they they've been flailing lately. Yeah, they were yeah. seven in the last ten games. They're not. Uh, they're not as good as I thought they'd be. I think that they're still. I mean, they're a decent team. They'll probably be like a second round exit. But I don't see them actually making it. Like making a run. Ringo, eat your heart out. Jimmy Butler is one of fifteen in clutch situations I know. this season. <laughs> I know it's the, great. Their purported closer, their big star, has changed the culture, but hasn't been that closing guy. He's so, a fraud. 
I'm a loser. <laughs> are they gonna go to Hero? Are they gonna go to Duncan Hero Robinson? Are they gonna go to Duncan, Duncan Robinson? Hero, true. He has had just the cojones that you expect on like. Yeah, he's a veterans. shooter, man. He's a he'll, he'll fire up threes at the end of games, like. Yeah, they're, they're he's not defense. afraid. He's fearless. Their defense has been the problem. They gave up 127 to the Timberwolves without Towns. Like that's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, D-Law, man, D-Law had seven threes and then the game-winning block. <laughs> yeah, was that was so played sick. great, but come on, it, it's D-Lo and Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernandez <laughs> against a team that was a contender. That's one. Back to the West, I don't think we're going to argue the Lakers are a contender. They no, played yeah. so well. Their defense is mean. Yeah, their players know their roles so well. And even if a guy like Kuzma plays kind of like poop, or if a guy like... Which is like every night. I mean, he's very on and off. It's every other night. He oh, sorry, every other night. Yeah. Exactly. You can't count on it. <laughs> but then Danny Green was scoreless last night, and they won by 30. LeBron, LeBron didn't play either. Davis, as long as he can stay healthy. That's the thing. This is a team that's built on health. Yeah. Every team is, but that's when you're... super deep. Yeah. So they, they're they a contender. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about the Lakers. I feel like if you... Like, this is just me being probably overly idealistic, but if guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis can fit together, both guys who like to... I mean, obviously they can both shoot, but they both really like to get, you know, in the paint and slash, whatever. Then why can't Simmons and Embiid work together, you know? They're so much younger, too. I know they're younger, but, like, I know the spacing is real, but, like, why is that not the... Like, I know Ben... If Ben can, like, shoot threes, like, don't you think that they could fit together, like, Embiid... Like, uh, Davis and LeBron do? Oh, I think they could easily. It's on Ben. It is. I think so. It's on Simmons. LeBron will attack every mismatch that he creates. Not only does he decide based on once he's in the pick-and-roll... He is able to lightning quick read whether it should be dumped off to the middle to create a mismatch if he's getting doubled. His reads are better than Simmons. Oh, yeah. And he ultimately, even if he says in interviews, I like passing more, which he said his whole career, this is a dude who's averaged over 25 for so long. He still put he, up like seven assists this year, though. He is a huge scorer. More like 11 assists he's, a game. Yeah, he's, oh, is it really that high? Yeah. <laughs> he's 11. leading the league this year, but he's also scoring 25 a game. Yeah, that's Simmons, cannot do that right now. No. He doesn't have that killer... He can't break... He's not going to score 20 points a game until he shoots. Or he he doesn't even attack the rim every chance he gets. He still drives to pass a lot more than he drives he to, to jam on someone's head. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just it gives me a false sense of hope, probably. But um, Also, I just want to see... Did you guys see Lonzo Ball's stiff arm on Alex Caruso the other night? Oh, yeah. He, like... <laughs> Lonzo was driving towards the rim, and, like, I don't think it got called, but, like, he totally, like... Just like shoved Caruso out of the way, like it was ridiculous. It was so egregious. I don't think it was called. Is that why Caruso got him back for the block? Yeah, like, yeah. Block. Oh yeah, Caruso, my all star. Caruso is genuinely a decent piece for them at this point. Oh yeah, he is a good defender, and he gets the crowd into yeah, it. Spark plug off the bench. Yeah, yeah. That, you, you need that. All yeah. right, you guys want a hot take? The Clippers are not contenders. Wow. wow. Who is Nuggets then? But the Nuggets and Rockets are. Mm. The Rockets are breaking that rule. Yeah. How how are they good? Oh, I will happily get to that once we get to those hot takes. I'm so happy to get to that. But here's the thing with the Clippers. Every now and then, you just kind of look at a team and you wonder, why aren't you better? Mm-hmm. I think it's I do it every day. sport. Uh, you do it with your Sixers. I do it with the Mariners. <laughs> Flat turns his head towards the city of Detroit. I don't know why any team there. But for a team that has that much talent, something feels off. 
I get that they've had a lot of injuries, so they haven't maintained consistency, but here they are this week losing to a team like the Kings by nine. And I'm pretty sure either Paul George, it was the game before he came back, or the game he came back. When you have a guy like Kawhi, when you have a coach like Doc Rivers, when you have a bench as deep as it is, how are you supposed to say you're a contender when you're losing to like a, a bottom feeder like the Kings? For as good as Kawhi is, and as much as I think he's going to turn it on in the playoffs, the rest of that team is going to let him down. Is And I, I just don't think this is their year. The first year of this iteration of the Clippers, I don't think is a contender. Yeah, I guess I kind of get into that a little bit in my NBA hot takes. I'll be excited to hear if that. we want to transition to that now? Or? Sure, yeah. Wanji hit us with the Pacific hot takes. Yeah, so... First off, I got the Lakers. My hot take is they will win the championship this okay. year. Okay, just right from the Clippers. I think from it's their the year. First day of March, about you're yeah, they're gonna win. Yeah, I think NBA is a narrative-driven league, and uh, Kobe dying this year, the Lakers winning a championship. <laughs> it's I think it's gonna make it happen. Um, I think even though the Clippers on paper are probably a better team, I think this is the Lakers' year. Does that make Anthony Davis? in contention or the favorite for the best big man in the league. He could have a season where he wins defensive player of the year based on a similar narrative if the Lakers are good, wins his first ring, probably gets all NBA second team. Now that he's won if he wins a ring, do you think he would have a pretty think, safe claim at that point? I mean, if you don't count Gian, you don't count Giannis as a big man. Nah, but then I yeah, I think he already him. was coming into this year mm-hmm. the best big man in the league. Like unless you think Embiid is. <laughs> I mean, I think Embiid has like like should be, but like yeah. when you can't stay healthy, like I just don't know what you can like. I think if Embiid plays seventy games, he's the best big man in the league. But I just yeah. Embiid owns Davis. So I feel like whenever they play, Embiid just like scores on him and locks him up. But like, I just I have a hard time giving him that title but when yeah. he's not healthy. Yeah, that's my hot take. That's LeBron gets his fourth yeah. ring. All right, I can enter the no. goat conversation. Yeah. Wait, right. wait. Who enters the goat conversation? LeBron. Oh, or yeah. maybe passes Jordan. That's a conversation if they win. Yeah. Enter. You mean <laughs> enters the goat better, or, or, it or continues like yeah. the, the, the the discourse? I'll give you one about the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, I got Nikola Jokic putting up a 50-40-90 season next year. Rowan's the the look on Rowan's face right now is disgusting. <laughs> I I can see it from. Listen, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. This year, this year he's averaging 20 points per game. He's shooting about 52%, uh, 52.8% from the field. Okay, so he meets the 50%. His single season career high three point percentage is 39.6%. Um, granted, the volume may not be there, but that's okay. Your big man shouldn't be shooting more than like three or four threes max. Like that's the, like three threes a game max if you're a serviceable three point shooter. So he can shoot almost 40% a game. And his single season career free throw percentage is about 85%. Think about a guy like Joel Embiid, and I know I know he's a sixer, blah blah. But like this dude averages nearly not, he's shooting you know upper mid to upper eighties from the line, just like Jokic. These are both guys who can shoot well from the free throw line, and I think that it's something that you can improve. And I think if he puts it all together, I can see him putting up a 50-40-90 next year, which would probably couple this with his amazing passing ability because he is a really good passer. This can make Jokic the most versatile big in the game if he's not already there. Yeah. Jokic has defended 515 pick and rolls this season. He ranks first overall in field goal percentage, actually. And Gobert is fourth, Embiid is ninth. Jokic has improved, but he's never going to be able to shed the fat 
white lard Don't label that he has. But <laughs> he's, he's very got, he, He's becoming super versatile as you touch on. I think it's going to take a lot of factors for that to happen. Yeah, that's a good you have to put it together. But, yeah, I mean, it's not as, like, when you hear that, like, oh, a center putting up a 50-40-90, like, that's definitely hot. But I feel like he has the tools to do it. Yeah. All right. Um, here's, a, here's a hot take for the Houston Rockets. Russell Westbrook is the best offensive center in the league right now. Offensive center? Yes. I mean... Do you want to know why? Can you explain that a little? Yes. <laughs> Here's what has happened since the Rockets traded Clint Capella, and even before that when he was out with a heel injury. They've gone completely, unabashedly five out. They used to go four out with Capella as the role man. This point, we have a lineup usually of Westbrook, Harden, McLemore, Tucker, and Covington. What happens to that is there's so much space in the middle that Russell Westbrook has changed his entire shot profile to now be one that is at the rim so much more. In his last 10 games, he's shooting 54%, 39 from three, and 77% on free throw, with 32 points, seven rebounds, and six assists. So much of his shooting is coming at the basket. He's attacking the paint. He is their interior scorer. Yeah. Everyone else shoots from there. And so when you think about who actually acts as the quote-unquote center on the floor, chart-wise, it's Westbrook. He's mm-hmm. taking these. And if you have a guy as talented as Westbrook, basketball has become so malleable that I can't... I count... Sure, Tucker is their defensive center, but he stands out on the corner and shoots catch-and-shoot. He is not the center there. The guy who is getting the center touches there is Westbrook. I mean, it makes sense, though. Yeah. He's not a good three-point shooter at all. Like, his three-point shooting is terrible this year. Yeah. I mean, credit Mike D'Antoni for realizing this is what needs to happen. Credit the Rockets organization for just saying, screw it, we're pushing all the chips into three-point shooting, and, oh, we unlocked one of the better drivers in the game who's still 31 years old and is a few years off of an MVP season. It should have been even easier to see just let Westbrook be an absolute animal at the rim. Yeah. Well, it worked in the playoffs, though. That's... That'll be the really good question. Yeah. Especially in the half court. Like, They're running it out of the half court. They have four they guys spaced out, and they let Westbrook have like matchups against Gobert. Or they have him be on the center, where even mid-range shots, he's a good mid- enough mid-range shooter that those aren't the worst shots either. Next right, Flat, yeah. what's your next take? Um, this is... This is just a goofy one for the Clippers. Um, <laughs> former Piston Reggie Jackson will lose them a big game this year. I don't know former when Piston. or how, but he will. <laughs> I wow. see it. I think that's a good take. You think he's going to get on the floor in big games? <laughs> that's the hotter yeah. take. Yeah, that's the hotter take. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that one. Do, like do you have anything more to say with that take? No. Yeah. no that's just what happened. All right, yeah, there you go. I can't um, wait to see it. <laughs> So I have a Thunder take. The Thunder will have the quickest blow-up to championship turnaround in recent history, and they'll win okay. a title within the next five years. Wow. Okay. So the Thunder tanked, and you can't see me doing it, but I'm putting in quotes. They tanked the correct way without even missing the playoffs. Like, wow, my gosh. The, they have a bounty of draft picks over the next few years. They've really, I mean, they blew it up. They traded away everything, and they have a bunch of picks. And they're still going to make the playoffs this year. Like, they're keeping their fans happy with good, meaningful basketball. Granted, they're not going to win, but they'll still be in the playoffs. Good, meaningful basketball while still acquiring picks to build for the future. I think the team is a title contender in two years, meaning they'll be a top four seed, you know, winning 50-ish games. 
And I think they win one within the next five. They sit at the fifth seed right now. Based yeah, on literally. Winning. Here's my only... The reason I think that's such a hot take. Contenders have a star. Who is their star in two years? Is it a 38-year-old Chris it's Paul? Not Chris Paul. Chris it's not Chris Paul. Is it a 24-year-old Paul. Shea Gilgis Alexander? It could be. Is it, it, it Depp Schroeder? Well, that's yeah, the thing. It dep- it's hard to say un- like until they Boston, draft. A star that young won't lead them to a championship. That's a hot take ring. That's a big hot take. Yeah, I mean, I think about winning in the fifth year or five. I think they're a contender in two. Five years. Okay. smoking. They were a contender in two when they had Westbrook, Harden, and Durant because they had three MVPs on their team. But what about, like, like, would you, mm, I mean, what do you consider a contender? Like, a team that wins 50 games or, like? Probably. Because, like, we won. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because we we won 50 games, like, three years ago with Simmons and Embiid and, like, Simmons rookie year. a young contender, then. So, like, like, that's kind of what I'm meaning on lines of, like, they'll be in that range of, like, 50-ish wins. And, you know, as their players develop, Mm -hmm. I think towards the back end of that five years, more likely they could win win a title. Okay. Well, for my next take, I'm going to throw some cold water on the Zion train real quick. Oh, Flat's going to be triggered about this one. Because I'm talking about the Dallas Mavericks having the second-best star duo in that division, in Kristaps and Luka Doncic. Now they are starting to really work together. The last four games they've played together are all wins, with about a 14.25 margin of victory. They're they're kicking the hell out of teams. Mm -hmm. The last 10 games, Doncic has had 28-10-9 on 46, 34, and 75. Been doing what he's been doing all season. Chris Saps Porzingis has 25-10 and two blocks on 49, 39, and 88. He's turned it on. He's back is the thing it was. He he took about half a season. Probably the first half of his season is where a guy like Victor Oladipo is now. Oladipo is not playing very well. Porzingis was not playing very well. But now he's rounded into being a guy who could protect the rim and also shoot threes and then jam it on your head with ferocity, that's a really good sort of duo that they have there. And the pick and rolls that they're doing, the pick and pops, have been really effective. And that's what's made them a better duo than Brandon Ingram and Zion. What about about, uh, Zion and Josh Hart? I think they're a really funny on a Fortnite duo. <laughs> How much Josh Hart loves to be good at anything but basketball. And uh, having the bronze nuts in his face. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty bad. I'll touch on the Pelicans really quick for, for my it. take. Brandon Ingram's disappearance in the past four weeks, or like his lull, has nothing to do with Zion. It would be a really easy take to say, oh, Zion's here. Zion's bleeding at the CC. He's eight straight games of 20-plus, it has to be because Ingram can't play with him. I think it's a little more that Ingram's just started to come down from a really hot start. He had games of, like, 6 for 22 against San Antonio, 5 for 18 against Golden State. He's missing open shots is what it is more than him not getting the same shots. Zion has changed, like, their sort of geometry of who's getting shots at the rim, who's getting early touches. Ingram also has two 30-point games in the past few games. He played and, well against the Lakers recently. Yeah, he, he was good there. I think he played well. Like, he was only 10-23 of against the Rockets, but he was a solid scoring option. It falls more on, like, guys like Drew Holiday maybe not being as good of a passer. Lonzo Ball not doing what he needs to do to, like, space the floor. I'm not worried about Ingram and Zion at all. Yeah. 
Um, let's can go over to the Kings, another Ooh, massive oh. franchise. Luke Walton is the worst coach in the NBA. Wow. <laughs> Worse than, well, I guess Beeline is out. <laughs> hey, don't. It wasn't Beeline's fault. But he call his team thugs. <laughs> he meant slugs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he did. <laughs> that is a scalding take. Please defend it. Yeah, I want to um, hear this. <laughs> so, like, everyone thought he was a good coach because he went in for the Warriors when Kerr had the back problems and they didn't miss a beat. But honestly, we could have coached that Warriors team that <laughs> I, year. I've, always, I've been saying that for years, dude. Steve Kerr is a personality manager. Uh, and good one. Good one. he was on the Lakers. They had some talent. He did nothing with it. The Kings were the ninth seed last year. They played well and have taken such a far step back this year now that Luke Walton's their coach. And you think it's just, because of Luke Walton? Well, that's the only thing that's really changed, hasn't it? And I think the dude's a fraud. Yeah, they didn't have good injury luck at the beginning, but firing Jaeger and bringing in Walton is a really bad move. Mm -hmm. I think there's someone that has Walton beat. Oh, <laughs> Wait, give, me a hint, give me a hint. Who is it? Uh, uh, the Eastern coach? No, no, no. The oh. Eastern Conference. <laughs> Eastern Conference. One guess. Uh, Lloyd Pierce? Nope. <laughs> I Pierce no is idea. fine. What do you think, Flat? Fox coach? That's, That's also Lloyd Pierce. No. no, no, no. This is Jim Boylan. Jim Boylan is the worst coach <laughs> in the NBA. He will say things in interviews to the media like, I will call a timeout if one of my players is hurt. I don't care about wasting timeouts because I care about my players. <laughs> and then watch as Wendell Carter rides on the floor and not call a timeout to save them. He will call timeouts when the Bulls are, for example, down eight with 12 seconds left when the other team has the ball. Down 10 with 40 seconds left on the other team of the ball. <laughs> he will argue with Zach Levine. Oh, oh I saw that, yeah. He will routinely make boneheaded decisions, such as, I don't know, continuing to play Laurie Markkinen when he clearly had an elbow issue and let him now basically be injury-prone and lose the rest of the season. He, he is so inept at the simple job of being a coach that... <laughs> I I wish Luke Walton was because that would mean yeah. that there wasn't okay maybe such, second worst yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's painful yeah. to think about some of things Boylan does. What do you have for the next one in your division ring? Sure, I got the Jazz. Ooh. Rudy Gobert ends the season averaging more rebounds per game than points per game with a field goal percentage of seventy two percent. What's he at now? Sixty nine. 69 he's, he's got his field goal percentage up to 69%. He's averaging 15 rebounds or 15 points with like 14.5 rebounds. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Watch yeah, it happen. Jazz are kind of falling off. That's the thing. They're what are they like the fifth or the sixth right now? Sixth, I think. They fall the sixth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of like a take that I don't really have too much to say about the Jazz. I don't really watch them that much, so figured I'd just put it out there like Flat did earlier, and <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll happen. <laughs> But I mean, it's actually insane. Like, could you imagine if a dude had like a field goal percentage over seventy percent, like over seventy percent right now? Maybe close to the record. Right? Yeah, like it would have to be up there for the yeah. record, right? Like seven. I mean, it's already sixty-nine percent is already insane. And he led the league last year at like sixty-six. So, yeah. Like, I mean, he takes one or two kinds of shots and other dunks or putbacks. Oh, his shot chart is hilarious. It. It's, it's literally it's like it. all, all <laughs> everything under the rim. Yeah. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my jazz take. All right, here's. Here's kind of a sadder one. I can't have all kind of like happy takes. Derek White for the San Antonio Spurs has been a top five disappointing. You mean after he like went off in that playoff series last year? Yeah. <laughs> last at the end of last year, he almost helped the Spurs beat Denver. He emerged as a guy. He made the FIBA team that wasn't great, but still he made a FIBA team. Yeah. That must mean he's good, right? 
Um, not really looking like that this season. He's fifth in the Spurs in minutes. He's putting up 10 of 3 and 3. Ugh. His last 10 games, he's shot 41% and 23% from 3. Ooh, it's Markel Fultz numbers. Yeah. yeah <laughs> these are bad numbers. <laughs> and honestly, part of it's been his bad play, but part of it was something that he couldn't control, and it's because it's a guy that a lot of people forgot about. DeJounte Murray has come back in a really big way. He was going to be a really impactful piece for the Spurs, and then about two days before opening night of the season last year, he tears the ACL. Yeah. He has come back and is putting up 10-6-4, shooting better from three, and he's had two 20-plus point games in the, about the past six games. He's shown a very different angle that the Spurs haven't really had, I want to say, since Ginobili. They haven't had a dangerous guard since then. And that's what he is. So, who? Tony Parker. By the time that Ginobili retired, Parker wasn't dangerous, yeah. is what I'm saying. When Murray has the ball and he's driving downhill, you're worried. Your defense has to collapse. And Derek White, you know, you can't look at it as anything other than disappointing for making the, like, the FIBA team and then laying a very large egg all over the court whenever he plays. Yeah. All right, for my last takes, another sad one. The version of Dylan Brooks that we see on the floor this year is probably the best we're ever going to see of Dylan Brooks. Ooh. And he's it's a good take. 24 years old. It's a good take. He's averaging 15 points per game, 37% from three. His last 10 games, it kind of looks like that was fool school. 11 points. Right after he got that contract. Oh, yeah. He's shooting 29.5% from the field and 22% from three. That's like Jordan Poole He's numbers. very cold. Hey, he's going better. Yeah, he, I mean, what, he does a lot of things similar to Poole. He shoots. He can make threes. They're fairly limited as creators. They're not defensive guys. They're guys who space the floor and can, you know, make the next pass. And his offensive and defensive ratings for this being his career year are on par with what they were two years ago when he was stuck on, like, a pretty, like, trash Grizzlies team. Mm. I don't think anyone who's, like, saying that, oh, Brooks is giving them, like, this fourth best guy. All they need is, like, a third star along with Morant and Jackson. They're not really actually watching how Brooks is playing. Mm-hmm. And they're not digging into the fact that he's a role player. And yeah. sure, he got a nice bag. If you think he's going to be a good shooting guard, you're wearing rose-colored glasses. Rowan, yeah. going back to your Spurs take, do you think that the Spurs missed the playoffs for the first time under Popovich? Oh, yeah. They're, they're four, I think, four games out of, uh, yeah, out of a playoff spot? They have something like the 12th hardest remaining schedule. Yeah. The Pelicans have the third easiest or the Grizzlies have the seventh hardest, but you just think the Grizzlies will like play better than teams. It's gonna be Pelicans or Grizzlies. The think Pelicans sneak into that eight spot. No shot. That'd be cool if the Pelicans made it actually. I think the Lakers. Dude, <laughs> ESPN would be popping champagne till the building leaked if we got to see Zion versus LeBron. That would be yeah, in their first year. That would be, be really cool. No, it'd be entertaining. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd really love it. it. Yeah, literally. Um, so I'll hit you with my last take. Uh, on the oh wait no sorry second last take mm-hmm. Trailblazers uh, one of CJ McCollum or Damian Lillard gets traded this off season. Um, mm. This was a season of I'd say fair to say it's decently high expectations for the Trailblazers. They just made the conference finals last yeah, year. Yeah, so they came in thinking that you know they had decently high expectations for this team and they just haven't lived up to it. Carmelo Anthony was not their messiah, clearly. <laughs> I think, so CJ McCollum was a, a subject of trade talks earlier in the year. I could see him getting traded for a big um, in the offseason, but I don't know. I feel like something's got to get shaken up. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, Melo had a few, like, good games, but yeah. otherwise, like, he, he wasn't really... I just don't know what the issue is with the trail. Like, I don't watch the Trailblazers enough to determine what their actual issue is. They have, like, 26 wins right now. I'll, I'll tell you the problem with the Trailblazers. They have no wings. The Trailblazers roster looks like this. Lillard, McCollum, Simons, Gary Trent, and then you have injured guys, Zach Collins, but then you have Melo, Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, you have... Uh, Nurkic is injured. They let Aminu and Mo Harkless go, and they're like, Nasir Little will be fine. <laughs> Why did they let Mo Harkless go? Uh, they just didn't want to pay him. I don't think they thought he was worth it. New and York, man, New York. <laughs> he should get bought out. He could actually help a team enter the playoffs. Oh, yeah, he, definitely. He deserves to not rot in that hellscape of New York basketball. <laughs> that sucks. I feel so badly for anyone yeah. that goes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... I have a Suns take. Ooh, let's go. Better be scalding hot for the Sun. DeAndre Ayton will never be an all-star. Wow. Never? Yeah. I thought you were going to say DeAndre Ayton's a better pick than Luka Doncic. Yeah, he he gets overshadowed by Luka and Trey in that draft. No one even, like, talks about him, really. You never see highlights of him. You never see, oh, DeAndre Ayton went for 30 tonight because he never really does. Well, because he took drugs. Yeah, and then he's been suspended. (laughs) Um... He's supposed to be that piece that takes the Suns into the playoff contention, him and Booker, but he hasn't really shown much. He hasn't he's won liability defensively, hasn't shown much in his bag offensively. Like, he's been decent. He's still young, so this could be an awful take. But. Yeah, I got third degree from this take, bro. I think it's pretty bad. You think he's an all-star I, at some point? In his past 10 games, he's putting up 22, 12, and then two blocks. He's trying to figure it out a little bit more defensively. I mean, he's going to have competition in the West. There are going to be guys like Davis. There are going to be... Jokic. Jokic is going to be there. The Suns team is going to have to be good enough to have two All-Stars of Booker and Aiden. Yeah. So I think it's not... I don't know. It's going to take a a miracle and a hall of picks. Who makes the the All-Star game first, Markel Fultz or DeAndre Aiden? Aiden, 100%. Fultz. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Actually? Mm Mm-hmm. Why? Again, the Phoenix Suns would have to be good enough to get two All-Stars. All the Magic need to do is be somewhat competitive at mid-season because of Fultz. And then he gets in. It's like That's saying top. a lot. Yeah, they're, 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 they're competitive. They're, they're somewhat they're competitive now, and it's not because of Fultz. Yeah, it's not because of Vooch. It's not because of Gordon. It's because of everyone. That's the thing. Yeah, there's no clear it, dude. I think it's more likely that you see another 8th seed Magic team where Fultz is the guy putting up like 17 and 8 than Aiton putting up 22, 12, and 2 and being on a team that's good enough to have two stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thinking there. Alright, do you have a Warriors take flat? Yes. Warriors will be back in the conference finals next year. Okay. Steph and Clay will be back, rested, um, have something to prove. They'll have Draymond. They'll have this uh, Pascal is showing he's been a good big this year. They'll have Wiggins. They'll have Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. They'll have a high lottery pick. I think they're definitely have the talent to be a conference uh, finals team. Maybe a forty before twenty type team next year. It's a good and, take. Yeah. Yeah. You guys worried at all about the fact that Curry has a bit of nerve damage in his hand that hasn't completely healed? Yeah, that yeah, injury is so weird, though, that he's been out for, like, month, like four There's months with a broken hand. hand. I feel like a broken hand shouldn't take that long. But well, they don't want to... Two hands. They don't want to rush can't a dribble. Yeah, but, can't hold yeah, but when I broke my wrist and I was out for, like, a month. Well, 
They're trying to tank, so they can get. That's why. Yeah, if this was a regular season for the Warriors, oh, he'd be, be back a lot sooner. Yeah, yeah, probably would be. It's just a little weird that it, like, it's been that long. He's coming back Sunday though. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll be very interested to see it. All right, one more take, Ring. Yeah, I got the. I got Timberwolves. the Timberwolves. Wow, yeah. I just saw it. Oh my god. <laughs> my eyes. Oh. oh my god. Oh gosh. Do I even want to say this now, Rose? Do it, Rose. Hit it. The Timberwolves are top five seed in the West next year. Wow. All right. Lay out the case. Lay out the case. So they're going to have a high lottery pick next year. I think they're the 14th seed in the West right now. <laughs> so they're going to have a lottery pick. And I think that D'Lo is going to be the player that Cat wishes Wiggins was. Um, I just – I think it's all going to fit together next year, and I think that they're a legitimate Western Conference team. Granted, I don't watch the Timberwolves enough, but – I mean, they just came off a nice win against the Heat the other night. They're, they're putting up these numbers. Cat wasn't playing, but I think if you have a healthy Cat with D'Angelo and you can draft, I don't know, maybe a wing to go with that, I think you have a decent trio, a decent potential trio to be a, I guess, a, a 45-50 win team in the West next year. I'd say 8 seed max. 8 seed max. Weren't they a playoff team like two years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was with Jimmy Butler and Cat. With Jimmy Butler and Cat. That was a peak Butler season. Yeah. The reason I think that take is so hot has nothing to do with what you said. You're right on D'Lo being the guy that Cat wishes he could be. You're right on them having a draft pick where they could get a wing. There's an Israeli guy, Denny of Deja, yeah. which is probably the best wing. Um, Isaac Okoro at Auburn is a guy who could be like a defensive piece for them. He's versatile. It has to do with everyone 4 through 12 on that roster for me. Is why it's such a take. That's what's concerning Dude, to me. they have guys like... Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernangum as Jordan McLaughlin, Josh Okogie. These guys are playing major minutes for them, and they're not good yet. They are going to have to take these, like, huge, huge steps up. Free agency, man. Culver. Sign two free agents and... Yeah, they're giving the bag to Russell and Towns now. Are they going to gut their roster to... And who wants to go to Minnesota? Yeah, true. <laughs> Russell true. didn't even really want to go to Minnesota. For as great as that bromance is, and I really do think it's a wholesome, nice NBA bromance. Dude, Russell could have signed there and not agonizingly made them wait, and he was like, nah, I'm getting the bag in <laughs> San Francisco. Yeah. And he still ended up in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, all of us came in wearing our winter coats, but... Hoping that you listeners have some warmer weather, given you're basically all from the University of Michigan and now on spring break. Signing off for the takeover, this is Rowan Ken. Sam Ringgold. Ryan Flattery. Yeehaw.